You're on Radio 191 FM, your weekly politics show. And with me right now, I have the pleasure of being joined by the Right Honorable Winston Peters. Are you there, Winston? I am. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been a big week in politics. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, but we'll prioritize our time because we know you're a busy guy. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I guess, uh, you're kind of being referred to in some media sources as the de facto leader of the opposition now, and especially if you look at the preferred prime minister poll, uh, that would appear to be borne out. Do you accept that mantle graciously? Well, first of all, uh, the uh, so-called title leader of the opposition is an absolute misnomer since the advent of MNP. Right. Uh, and when you think about it, the Labour Party's had four leaders since uh, 2008. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all have claimed the mantle of being the leader of the opposition. They are not, of course, any more than Bill English was or um, Don Brash was uh, or, or before that. Now, my point is that uh, after all these years, now 20 years on from when MNP arrived, uh, the media at least should be able to understand how the system has changed and stop the throwback of choice between the old parties to make a claim with respect to being leader of the opposition when they demonstrably are not. The opposition is a number of different parties, uh, all who have got the right to be respected for the position that they take. Uh, and so it's just a, an, a, it's an archaic anachronism conveniently being uh, propped up by the old political parties, Labour and National. Yeah, well, it's not looking so good for uh, Labour now, and uh, New Zealand First is on the rise. Uh, but, of course, the big issue this week is the housing crisis. It just keeps going and going. Um, we haven't necessarily, or at least the sources I've seen, haven't um, seen a lot from New Zealand First about this. What is your take on the housing crisis? Uh, the reason why you've not seen so much from New Zealand First is because the media prefer not to publish our views. And unlike the other political parties in this country, all of whom have welcomed and defended mass immigration, we have for a long time pointed out to the risks of it and where it's all going to take us. The number one element of the housing crisis in Auckland is demand from offshore buying and immigration of 70,000 now, most of whom uh, the population of, for example, New Plymouth, are going to Auckland. That is huge artificial demand, and you've got a crisis in housing in Auckland, you've got a crisis on the roads in Auckland, you've got a crisis of the trains in Auckland, crisis of hospital services, and a crisis of, of lack of schools and bloated classes. You've also got a crisis where teachers who can't buy a house are leaving Auckland. So your number one, your biggest city, has got a huge problem, all of which is predictable, and of all of which the political parties in this country, excepting one, are responsible for. After all, what did the Maori Party say when we said this immigration has got to be wound back seriously? They said, in contrast, we should welcome them, we should be going to the airport and give them a porphyry. So did the Greens, so did the Labour Party, so did the Act Party, so did the United Party, so did the National Party. No. Now, here we've got this massive crisis, and they won't address the number one thing, which is wind back the demand because the supply of uh, infrastructure is so low at the moment that the crisis will only be exacerbated. Nothing that they're going to announce for Auckland is going to work unless you, they've got the courage and the guts to address the number one uh, problem that you've got. Let me tell you this. Why aren't people coming to Dunedin? Why aren't they going to Southland? Why aren't they going to Omaru and Timaru, where there is serious infrastructure and the capacity to take many more people? And the answer is 
They don't give a rat's derriere down here in, in, so up here in Wellington about that, or you. If they had much higher points for going to the regions, then maybe you would get a fair slice of the cake, but you're not getting it. And no. Auckland is now a problem that you uh, taxpayers down in Dunedin are going to have to pay for. How fair is that? Now, Labour had a bit of egg on their face uh, with the Chinese surnames, and uh, it looked as though um, the data for you know foreign property investors was not really borne out in those percentages. Um, it seemed to be a lot more um, about sort of domestic rich people being property investors. Um, so d- does that have any bearing on on your claim of immigration? And I guess also... To my mind, if it is driven by uh, domestic demand from, you know, Kiwi investors, is a capital gains tax actually something that could be workable? Well, before you slide off to, to, to taxes like capital gains tax, go back to what the Labour Party said. The Labour Party's problem was they had the evidence. They never had the guts to stand behind it. If you've got in top Auckland real estate firms the top 25 salespeople, of whom 24 are from one race, and are selling to one race, and, and it's not, they're, they're not uh, New Zealanders with Chinese names. Quite the contrary. That is demonstrably false. Uh, the government, uh, see, doesn't want you to know the facts. Unlike the other, other countries where you have a land and house register so you know what's going on, they refuse to, to, to get the information because without the information, they can carry on the way they are. They have got, uh, they got, they've got this country on an immigration merry-go-round of consumption, and the moment they stop it, because it's about 1.2% of our growth rate, then they'll be exposed for, what, for what's going on. But there, there's going to be a day of reckoning. Now, if you see it that way, the, the thing you've got to understand is we've already got a form of capital gains tax now. Unfortunately, of course, it is so loose and it is so short that it has no real impact. Again, The reason is that the National Party is being supported by a lot of people who are enjoying massive inflation in their house prices. By September, the average house price in Auckland will be, what? One million dollars. This is a ratio of 10 to 11 times uh, the average average income of people who are buying a house. This is really right there now heading by September to be the least affordable housing city in the whole wide world. Now, you can apply any any other taxes you like, but why don't we address the real issue? Massive demand, inflated by offshore buying as well, and a lack of supply will drive the the house prices up. But one of these days, and sadly very soon, it will collapse, and then you're going to see people who are decimated because they'll have no equity in the property they overmortgage themselves to buy. Yes, I think this is the point that's not being made, and I mean, you can probably tell from my accent that I come from the United States. This is exactly what we <laughs> saw. Um, property bubbles are all well and good until they burst. Well, that's a tragedy. Uh, you know, I can see uh, the misery that's going to come from this, and people exiting their homes because they will not have any equity, and the banks will start leaning on them to get their mortgage out. So whatever equity they have, they will lose. The banks will get their money out, and we'll start all over again. We've, we have learnt very little since the last property crisis. Uh, there was one in 1991, 92. There was one in 2006, 2007. And here we are, early, um, you know, say eight, nine years on, and we're back doing it again. When will we ever learn? Now, this might just be an easy answer. Labor Green stitch-up. Is it an act of desperation? 
Look, uh, they're entitled to do what they like, but they're not entitled to demand other people comply or join their arrangements. After all, uh, for example, where New Zealand First is concerned, they never even talk to us about it, but then go to a meeting and start saying, well, if New Zealand First wants to join, they're welcome. This is an act of enormous weakness on the Labour Party's part. Uh, it is on the part of the Greens an act to make themselves look respectable. I can understand why they got, they inveigled the Labour Party in. I don't understand why the Labour Party, the party was formed in 1960. Uh, now, uh, celebrating 100 years, would get themselves roped into an arrangement like this. Why, why do I say that? Well, if I was a Labour supporter, I'd want to know what my party stands for, not what it stands for after discussion with some other party. And if I was a Green member, I want to know what my party stands for, not what, what they're standing for after they've been influenced by some other party that I don't even vote for. That's my point. And you've got the media, the, the media in this country, uh, bless them, <laughs> are out there giving their views on this, but I'll tell you something. It is the people of this country who will decide this issue, no one else. And my argument for that is in the document itself, this memorandum of understanding expires when the polls close on election night, whenever that is. So if that expires on election night, after the polls have closed, what exactly is it about? Now, just finally, uh, before you have to go, you stood up this week uh, in Parliament uh, for the human rights of tobacco smokers, saying, uh, you know, the freedom was being infringed. Uh, would you care to talk a little more about that? Now, what I said was uh, to the government, why, is, why are you being so dishonest about this issue? <coughs> Your tax projections have the tax going from $1,600 million to $1,852 million over the next three or four years, and then on to $2 billion. Why don't you forego that and be honest? If you, if you want to, if you say you're against smoking, forego this massive tax that you're putting in the consolidated fund and ban the product. But you're not honest. You're trying to make out that you're against it, but your tax projections increasing demonstrate that you don't believe your, your, your methods are going to work. Otherwise, you wouldn't have Treasury having forward projections going to $2 billion, say, by 2021. In short, you know the policy won't work. You are getting the massive benefit of taxing 80% of a packet of cigarettes is going to the government now. They've got excise tax, and then they've got GST on top of that. They're tax, a tax on a tax. The dishonesty of that knows no bounds. And then you've got for example, the huge calamities that arise from alcohol. No. Did they increase that tax? No. What about uh, the, uh, the tsunami of obesity-related problems we've got coming? Are you going to tax the products that bring that about? No, you're not. So stop being dishonest. If you really were sincere, you would ban smoking, but you're not. But it sounds like you wouldn't support an actual ban on any of these things. Well, look, what I say is, if it is legal then why would you be attacking it uh, with uh, uh, methods that don't address the critical issue? If it's legal, why are you taxing at that level? Why, in particular, poor and working people, where their income, uh, discretionary income is so low, why are, are you mounting an attack on these people? The rich don't mind, because, I mean, they've got great, serious discretionary income. But the very poor people who, make the, who generate the wealth in this country are being hammered because of their choice. And let me tell you, in the Maori and Polynesian world, this uh, program of attacks on tobacco has not worked remotely at all. There's been a movement in terms of males and females of about 1% change. In short, despite your huge increase in this product uh, in terms of cost 
and now you're taking 80% of a packet of cigarettes to the government, the, the, your, your, your plans are not working. That would work if you banned it. But you have, you're not honest enough to say that. Well, you pointed uh, out the hypocrisy that, uh, you know, some people are moving towards basically, uh, you know, effectively banning tobacco, but they want to legalize cannabis. Uh, you said that was <laughs> hypocritical. Um, I think, you know, the Labor Party drew up a referendum uh, to be held at the general election to ask the public about legalizing cannabis. You're a big fan of referenda. They threw that in the rubbish bin because of uh, internal, you know, infighting. Is that something that you might take up? Uh, you've said if a referendum was brought forward by others, you would respect the result. Do you think, um, you know, this is, is something that New Zealand First can explore further if uh, you're all for freedom? Look, I have said this countless times for now a long time to anybody who raises this issue with me at public meetings. I've said to them, we will give you a referendum after two years proper debate on the pros and cons. And here's the deal. If the public say yes, then we'll respect their view. But if the public says no, then I expect you to respect their view as well. But uh, I'm very happy to have a referendum on it, but after a proper debate where people get all the facts. Well, uh, that sounds like a good gamble, and uh, you're, you're a, a gambling man, I guess. And, um... No, I'm not a gambling man. I'd, I rarely uh, bet at all. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I... I was a minister of racing, and I used to uh, I loved watch, I love horses, and I, I used to love watching these horses, but I could never stand everybody shouting as they came down the track. And you can't hear a thing, and you can't, with all the noise and jumping around, probably see your horses. So that was a downside, but no, uh, you know, um, that, that's a liberty issue as well. Well, the most exciting horse race is coming up next year, and uh, you're going to be one to watch. So we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us this morning, and uh, hopefully it won't be the last time. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for calling me, and thank you for the chance of talking to you and your listeners. Uh, Targa University is a rather special place in the minds of many people where I come from up north. Uh, because in the old days, and still now, a lot of people still choose Otago as their one number one choice. I don't know whether it's because it's got something unique to an of all universities. So Otago has got a special university culture, and uniquely the city of Dunedin is proud of them which is not quite the relationship that Auckland or Victoria or anybody else has. So good luck to you all, and uh, thank you for the time and, um, and for the chance to talk to your listeners. And thank you, and we look forward to seeing you on the hustings uh, down here sometime <laughs> in the future. Thank Cheers. you very much. We're having our AGM for New Zealand First down in Eden this year. We're taking it to the deep south. So when is that, if people are interested uh, in, in participating? In, in September. All righty. We will watch that closely, and hopefully we'll get a chance to maybe get you in the studio then. Uh, have a good right. day, and uh, keep up the good Thank work. You. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. That was the Right Honorable Winston Peters, former Deputy Prime Minister, uh, kingmaker in many elections, uh, and maybe another one to come. We'll find out soon enough.